Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Breaking loss at home yesterday, 39-38, Colts lose to the Browns. My name is Nigel. That is Jason Hammer over there with a special guest on the WIBC hotline. Kevin Bowen covers the Colts and is part of the morning show over at 107.5, the fan, KB and Andy. KB, listen, I understand, like, broadcasters have to say the line of, I don't normally blame the officials. There are other reasons why the Colts lost that game. Rabble, rabble. I get all that. I blame the officials. <laughs> I'm mad as hell. That was amateur hour on the final drive. Did the Colts make mistakes in the game? Yes. But to say that, well, the officials didn't cost them the game, my ass. I think they cost the Colts the game, and I believe I'm channeling my inner Samuel L. Jackson here in a time to kill. I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> you and Samuel L. Jackson, I didn't have that on the bingo card here on this, uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the Colts got a really bad whistle. They're late. I thought if you want to break down those two calls specifically, I thought the second one where the ball went out of the end zone, to me, that deems it uncatchable. Right. Uh, that's where the officiating crew should come together and say, hey, we've picked up a few flags today already. You think we should pick that one up? Because the ball almost hit blew the mascot. It was so far <laughs> out of the end zone. Uh, that one made no sense to me. So the play before that was the illegal contact, and that's what negated really the game-clinching fumble. I thought that was a little bit more debatable. Um, I, I could see why that one was called, but specifically that defensive pass interference, uh, that was a huge, huge play, and that would have made it second and goal from the nine, and um, I, I don't think Cleveland would have gotten in. Granted, I didn't think Philip Walker would have led Cleveland on a 67-yard drive yeah. up to that point right. either. You know, joking aside, that's really the thing, right? You look at some of the plays the Colts left on the field. They allowed Philip Walker to drive down to be in that position in the first place. And then right before halftime, I was out, you know, running some errands with my kids and I had the radio on, Kevin. And man, I thought Rick Venturi was going to have a stroke when <laughs> Minshew dropped back and the strip sack and Venturi was yelling at the radio, just take the lead at halftime. And I'm yelling at my radio. I mean, there were some mistakes made there. Yes, certainly. Um, I, I thought Dane Steichen wore a unbelievable offensive play caller hat, but an awful game manager hat. And he wears those two hats. That's part of being a head coach and being a play caller. And I thought he really gifted Cleveland 10 points, if you want to look at it late in the first half. If that, if that was Frank Reich, we'd be rioting about it. Um, certainly, if that was the end of the game, it'd get a lot more attention. But late in the first half there, uh, I thought Shane Steichen got way too aggressive. I'm not really sure what he was thinking, that they were going to score points there late, back up on their own goal line. It was a second and 15. Um, they risked a penalty in the end zone. They risked an incomplete pass. They risked, obviously, a strip sack, and that's what Miles Garrett did. And then on the very next drive, they gifted Cleveland extra timeout by not running the ball on a third and long. Yeah. Saved Cleveland about 40 seconds. 
And then if you look at the end of the first half, Cleveland kicked a long field goal there late. So, again, those are some of kind of the game management you know, things that are on your plate as a head coach. And Shane Steichen was brilliant offensively yesterday. But that sequence cost his team 10 points. Yeah, bad clock management. What about Gardner Minshew? He has been an absolute turnover machine the past two weeks. Uh, Is that the norm for him? It is not as an interceptable guy, if that is the right word I'm looking for. Uh, Fumbles have been something that have been there throughout his career and yesterday it was more the fumbles than less to do with the interceptions he did throw one pick there early in the third quarter um, you know the shame of it now is I thought Gardner Minshew did a lot of good yeah. for you yesterday but you know obviously two uh, touchdowns turnovers lead yeah he had the two running touchdowns and you know hit some big plays in the passing game and you know I obviously when you have those turnovers and they turn directly into points that could be crippling and I, I again the back of his baseball card if you will that would indicate it's a little bit of an anomaly but that's what we've seen the last two weeks. And, yeah, you play pretty good defenses, uh, but that cannot be the norm for him at all. Um, and those turnovers, I mean, if you look at it, I want to say it's seven in the last two weeks that have led directly to 37 points. So, you know, it's one of those situations where if you just fell on the ball, I mean, if you just punted it, you'd be saving your team, you know, obviously uh, great field position and, you know, could be leading to a totally different result win-loss-wise. The way the Colts lost that game yesterday, putting up big numbers against one of the best defenses in the NFL, uh, clearly one of the best players in Miles Garrett, who's just unbelievable. But the way the Colts lost that game, is that the type of loss that can linger and maybe derail a season? Yeah, I'm very curious, you know, Hammer, to see how they respond to yesterday because, you know, it's the first time all season that they've lost now back-to-back games. Um, you know, they are at home this week. They're playing a team that's been reeling. And the Saints, they've lost four or five. New Orleans coming off the mini-bye week they played last Thursday. Uh, again, I think there's a lot of encouragement from yesterday, but the excruciating nature of that loss, um, it's really kind of the first time in the Shane Steichen era. Now he, he, he's got to respond to a little bit of a reeling team from a win-loss standpoint. So the schedule is very favorable. Uh, again, Saints this week, then it's Carolina and New England the next two weeks before the bye. Now, but at the same time, you know, it's a team that, you know, that, that was a gut punch. That was a gut punch in more ways than one. Not just the style of the loss, the back-and-forth nature, and obviously what happened there at the end, but also that was an important game if you want to look at the wild-card playoff standings and, and what could possibly be on the horizon you know, a couple of months down the road. That one stung even more because of that. Kevin, we got about a minute left here. Um, switching gears a little bit, Pacers open up on Wednesday night. I'm optimistic, man. Maybe oh. I'm a sucker. I'm optimistic that this is a playoff team, and I'm not talking about that crappy play-in tournament playoffs. I think this is a squad that's looking at maybe a 5-6 seed. I think that's probably where the ceiling is. What do you think about the Pacers? Yeah, I, I am right there with you, Hammer. I, I think that 5-6 seed is a very reasonable range to expect them to be at. You know, if you look at it last year when Tyrese Halliburton was healthy, this was a playoff team and honestly probably a team outside of that play-in, you know, in that 5 or 6 range. And, and I also think it, it's important for, like, this franchise to experience winning again. You know, we aren't used to this as members of this kind of market with the Pacers. Guys, they haven't won a playoff game in six years. They haven't won a playoff series in 10 years. But when you think about how long that is for a franchise that, you know, if you grew up in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, even earlier last decade, you were used to seeing 
a winning product on a pretty annual basis, and that has not been there. And especially with this new era, with this new core, you know, Rick Carlisle hasn't won a playoff series in a long, long time. You know, those are all, I think, you know, boxes that you know need to start to be checked. It's not like the end-all, be-all to the rebuild. I mean, this is still very much on, I think, solid ground, and it's going in the right direction. But you need to experience some winning and, and getting used to that being the norm again. Because I think Pacer fans know what they're getting out of Halliburton. They know who Miles Turner is, right? We know what his game's about. To me, I think the big wild card on this is Benedict Matherin. Is he going to turn the corner and become the dude? Or are we going to see that Chris Duarte regression from a pretty solid rookie year? Boy, I just kind of squeam, squeamish a little bit there, you know, hearing the Chris Duarte reference. I, I'm a very, very big fan of Benedict, Benedict Matherin, so my hand raised there because I, I, again, really love what he showed at Arizona, love what he showed in his rookie season. But I, I do think it's an accurate point of, you know, can he be kind of that, that, that Robin next to Batman, if you will, if you want to label Tyrese Halliburton that? Because Miles Turner, uh, Buddy Heald, you know, age-wise and just, you know, how they are as a player – they're not going to be that definite sidekick. You need someone a little bit more in the age range that can align with him. And obviously, he drafted Matherin. He, he's wired very differently than Halliburton, but I think it's an important kind of mix in personalities from those two. And the Pacers have high, high, high expectations for him. You know, less probably to do is a score. I think he proved last year he could score. But just be kind of a complete player. Be both ends of the floor. Be a little bit Jimmy Butler to your game um, if – Matherin can take that step, then I think this is a Pacers franchise that could be set up to have a similar run like they did you know, a little over a decade ago. If we want to hear more about the Colts, the Pacers, and all things happening, where can we go? Yeah, the wake-up call with myself, uh, Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney. That is 7 to 10 a.m. Uh, on our sister station. That's 107.5 The Fan in uh, 107.5thefan.com for written content and hammer for the second week in a row. Thank you for making our listeners some money on Thursday night football. <laughs> I'm perfect on Thursday nights. Perfect on I mean, Thursday nights. Impressive. Thirsty Thursday in the three-day weekend. There's no better person to start <laughs> than yourself. So great work. KB, thank you. See you guys.